tell you what, you have just the weather guys talking, somehow it affects the church. I told you just uh, you just people was acting like it was going to snow four foot right here about us on the Facebook. People are interesting, I tell you. Glad you're here. And I'm going to let you be seated this morning. We're going to continue uh, with what I started last Sunday, I guess. We, we called it Your Story. And I think we're just calling this part two because there's more to, more to come. Um, we, uh, if you were here last Sunday, you know that at the end of the service, we ministered uh, to a lady, and she actually couldn't be here today. Um, but, uh, and you saw as she came forward, the Lord just prophetically, you know, assured me that her problem was depression, and I spoke that, and she basically kind of collapsed there for whatever reason, but just God delivered her, and I found out as she uh, messaged me Sunday afternoon uh, of many, many years of depression, and I asked, we're, we're very uh, mindful at Grace Point of your privacy, and I would never uh, give your testimony or talk about you or say anything uh, that God does in here without me first asking your permission and blessing to do so, so I just want you to rest assured of that and because uh, we do it, uh, honor your privacy. But I asked her, and I had never uh, met her, and uh, I guess it's my understanding that she works at Steele's and works for uh, Adam and Nicole, and she had mentioned this. We, me, her and I had communicated through the week that she said it was such a, a blessing. She walked in and saw her boss up singing and leading the worship, and uh, she didn't even have a clue that Adam did that, and and if you meet Adam at, at uh, Steel's Jewelers and stuff, you, you, you know, he's such a quiet, uh, reserved uh, person. But, buddy, does he shine when he gets on this stage and, and begins to worship God. And uh, I've always told him it's one of the most amazing things that I've ever seen. And he's so anointed uh, and graced by God to do it. And, uh, and what a blessing uh, you are, Adam, to this church and to the whole body of Christ. And so that, that touched her, and, uh, and so I know Christy's watching us uh, this morning. She said she would be watching, but she was just unable to be here. And I asked her, could I read what she sent me Sunday afternoon? And of course, as I minister to people, I, I, you know, I never know the background. The Bible calls the gifts of the Holy Spirit a word of knowledge or a word. You just have the word, but they have the sentence, the paragraph, and their life that's involved in that. And she just says uh, to me, she said, I would absolutely love to sit down and tell you my story. Uh, she said today, and of course she sent this to me last Sunday now, but she said today was absolutely beyond amazing and I give God 100% of the glory. There is a lot to my story, but at 3.30 a.m. this morning, uh, the Lord woke me up and told me that my depression, anxiety, and panic attacks were literally going to kill me. Uh, and it was definitely an imminent warning. In 2019, uh, October the 4th, I had a stroke from stress and anxiety and depression and God saved me then. It was not my time to go. And I have experienced joy today that I have never experienced in my entire life, even though I'm 56 years old. Um, and I have been saved since I was 16. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, and and uh, so just give God praise for that. It's just awesome. Uh, and it was just so amazing. And, and I love seeing people. You know, we gave a, I gave a testimony about being, you know, delivered and touched from depression. And, and, and that just goes again to prove us, to us what the Scripture says, 
in Revelation 19 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so when you tell your story to anybody, whether it's, you know, verbally or you put it out on uh, social media or whatever, but when you tell your story and you give witness to what Jesus Christ has done in your life, you are literally prophesying that event to happen to other people. And uh, you may never even know, especially if you put it out on social media, how many people's lives it changes and touches just by them reading uh, uh, your story. And, uh, and then the only other person after I prayed for her, although we, I asked for all of you to come forward, you know, that wanted to, and the, and the altars were filled with people, as you know, last Sunday. And, 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 uh, and I looked, and God drew my attention to, to KJ, and I couldn't even remember his name. Uh, but I know he's Kenny's son, and so <laughs> so <laughs> I just called Kenny Rightcross his son, and and I, and I ministered prophetically to him. I had no idea of the connection, uh, and so Kenny had put out uh, a little YouTube, I guess, or Facebook video. Uh, Christy actually saw it, and she sent it to me, and I watched it, and it was uh, it was just a blessing. And so I, I texted him last night, and I asked him would he just come up and share what he put out on that video? KJ, would you come and, and just tell him what God did last Sunday and what's, how all this is connected and just give God some glory. Amen? Y'all, y'all bless him where he feels comfortable. <laughs> what's up, everybody? All right, so, okay, cool. Um. All right, so I'll just start with the story. So, crazy. Uh, where do I start? Okay, well, two, last year I had like like 2020 to 2021, like throughout the duration of those both of those years, I had like crazy, like I, I had depression. So, um, I've... Long story short, because <laughs> if, I, if I start talking about it, it's going to go, like, for, like, two hours. Um, I got out of that depression just recently with the realization that if I praise God through the dark times, then I, I, I take away the enemy's power to focus on the bad and give myself the ability to overcome. So um, that's, that's how I uh, got it out. It was a really, like, tough battle. Um, but what happened was, uh, after I got out of that depression, then I started really, like, seriously focusing on what I wanted to do, uh, like, with my career. So, like, I wanted, I wanted to be able to make a huge impact for, like, millions of people uh, all over the world. Uh, so, again, I'm seriously condensing. Uh, I wanted to be a YouTuber for, like, ever since I was 12 and uh, so I've been making YouTube videos. I've been practicing my videography skills. Um, and only recently did I really connect the dots that um, being a good YouTuber means that you're a good storyteller. And uh, if you're a good storyteller, that means that you, you impart value through a message um, to people and are able to do that on a consistent basis. And uh, it's just, I don't know, so many different things is connecting. It's like, it, all right, let me get to the most recent part of that, all right? 
Uh, so the most recent part of that, uh, I was like, seriously, I didn't have any, there was no ministry attached to it at first. I was just like, okay, I, I want to I help people. I want to get a lot of views on YouTube so I can make money off YouTube. That was, that was my career path. Um, and I want to make it a positive impact for people around me. So what's crazy was like, actually like when I was just coming out of my depression, um, my dad helped me come up with this catchphrase. It was spread the happy. And spread the happy is, at first I thought it was like really cringy and I didn't, it was weird. It was like a disease or something. But uh, later on, <laughs> later on it was, it was, I sat, so like for like the past three weeks, like as soon as school got out, I'm sitting here and I'm planning and I'm writing and I'm praying and I'm meditating and I'm thinking seriously about what I want to do in this world. What do I want to leave? What, what do I want to focus on out of all the things that I can do? Like I could be a producer, I could be a rapper, I could be you know, all these things. What do I want to focus on? And I can only... It hit me. It wasn't like uh, I came up with the idea. I thought I did it first, but then the more I started writing out the idea, uh, the more I realized it was bigger than me. So, so the the idea was it was to spread the happy campaign, and uh, basically I go door to door, cutting people's grass, washing people's dishes, doing people's household chores for free, and. Uh, because a lot of people are in a chronic like conditions to where like they are not able to do all that for themselves. Like they're busy or they just, you know, whatever their life circumstance is, they can't ha have it done. They can't pay for it. They can't have it done for themselves. So I'm basically, I'm, I'm started a, a nonprofit organization. At first, at, at first it was just going to be, at first it was just going to be a, a campaign. Like it was just going to be, I'm going to record it, put it on my YouTube channel. Then it became like, it became a ministry because within two days, well, yeah, of me coming up with the idea, I told someone about it and they said they're going to pay for the business license to have, the, have it turn into like an official business so I can operate that way. Two days. I haven't even done any of the work yet. Uh, next day, I meet this man. He says that he's going to pay for all the equipment. And he's going to help me with the staff for what I'm going to need to operate. And then, so same, same weekend, I meet these people. Um, so that Saturday. Then Sunday, so this is what happened last Sunday. Um, I haven't told anybody here except for, like, uh, the lady um, that, that works, the kids uh, counter. Uh, have definitely not told pastor. So... Basically, after uh, Miss Miss Christie, which yeah, Miss Christie, uh, she was delivered from her depression. Like, okay, I'm I'm not. I felt like I was the only one who saw it, but like, he was like, he was like, I rebuked the depression, and it was like, like, and it was a sh like I'm not I'm the only one. I feel like I'm the only one who saw it. There was a shockwave, like. A shockwave that so as soon as he did that, I rebuked the depression, and then it was like, and then I just immediately broke down because I, I could relate to it because I just got out of depression myself. And at the same time, I was like, 
I don't know. It's just like, I don't know how me and Miss Chrissy are connected yet, even to this moment. I just know that something huge happened right there, and it touched me. And then Pastor Day has a double whammy to where he's like, hey, yo, by the way, you're next. And, and so, he t- yeah, he tells me that, uh, he tells me that God has something for me too. He said all these visions and all these dreams you've been having, they're not your ideas, they're God's. And that explained why I was like, it, it, it explained like why I was getting so much help just by telling people about the idea. It explained why it was so much connected so much in the business model like as I was writing it out that was like coming to me that it was like better bigger and better than any idea I've come up with by myself up until that point it was so big I was like hold on like at one point while I was writing and I was like hold on this is big like this could turn into a movement that impacts millions of people which is what my goal was but it was like I could see how it would build upon itself even after like I died um, it would still be helping people. Um, and uh, I didn't tell him this. So for him to, for him to say, like, all these, all these visions that God has been giving you, uh, they're not yours, but he's going to help you walk out and you're going to see all these things come to pass. Like, for him to say that and, and like, him have no idea well, no idea that Miss Christie had 25 years of depression. No idea that I've been seriously thinking about, like, trying to make a huge impact in this world for the past, like, three, four weeks. Leading up to then, I mean, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. <laughs> and that's, and that's, not the only, that's not the only miracle. So second part of that miracle was uh, my sister, uh, Kaziah. So she's an artist. She's a really dope artist. Um, yeah, that's the best artist that I know personally. Um, she, has, she draws characters. She draws people. She draws all sorts of stuff. Um, and she actually, when I told her about the story, I was like, yo, at church today, uh, Miss, Miss Christie, like, she, she was healed of tw- eight, 25 years of depression and uh, she just like fell out and it, it like hit me and packed me and then we connected and that was her name is Christy and I was like really Christy uh, that's what she said I was like yeah Christy uh, and I didn't show her like any of the footage yet I was just on the phone with her and uh, she was like really well that's interesting and then she's like you know I've been drawing this character that I've named Christy uh, and actually I, I was misspoken on the video I said she's been drawing it for the past two weeks She's been drawing it since April of last year up to the last two weeks. Different versions of that character um, named Christy. And when she showed me the pictures, they looked exactly like the Christy that was delivered last Sunday. <laughs> one, of which, one of which was a picture of Christy. Like, so here, here's Jesus. Jesus is like this. He's giving Christy a new heart, and she's receiving a new heart from Jesus while the old, broken, cracked heart is on the ground behind her. So it's literally a depiction of her being, like, released from her depression. And I was like, okay, well, this, I mean, there's got to be some correlation right there. 
<laughs> um, so that was interesting and because I was like, man, I really wanted to write a story about her, but I wasn't sure what the story was going to be about. I was like, I know what the story is going to be about. Um, and uh, this topic, our story, everyone's story is important. Like my dad just got back from a business convention and the topic of that convention, one of the major topics was everyone's story is important. You never know how your story is going to impact people. Um, I've been watching, doing a lot of research on how to be a professional videographer, and the number one thing everyone keeps telling me is you have to have storyline. You have to have a beginning, middle, lesson, and then a call to action. And I really feel like me and my sister and Miss Chrissy should like get together and make a book and just make sure everyone gets that story across. But that's not where it ends. Again, there's more. Um, so, well, it is basically the ending. The, the ending is I have a Spread the Happy campaign. And she felt led to support the Spread the Happy campaign. Um, she happens to be an accountant. Um, and she she's going to be, and I, God still hasn't showed me how I want, like how she's supposed to be supporting but the fact that is to spread the happy campaign and she's just got relieved of her depression is like I've, it's 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 like it's screaming it's not just supposed to be a campaign like it's supposed to be a ministry and yeah and and so like, as you said, like, when I got on there, like, the, I had this realization. I was like, it, I don't have to go out looking for people to, like, support this. I, like, because God said it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. So even, even if, like, like I said this, even if you don't support, it's going to succeed because God said it's going to succeed. <laughs> so, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. It's, it was amazing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And it's so good to get to hear some background sometimes of of what God's up to. And uh, and, and KJ and and Christy didn't even know any each other until last Sunday after the service that they connected and. And there, God had them connected all along. And uh, 25 years of depression, that's a long time to struggle with that and to see it instantly uh, go. Uh, we're just so thankful uh, for the Lord for doing that and just set, setting people free. Amen. I've, uh, I, I have, uh, you know, and I, again, I'm encouraging you and those, you know, Facebook guys and everybody that's here today, you know, tell your story. And, and if we, you know, and, and, and of course, obviously, as a pastor, my desire is to see more people hearing and knowing the grace of God, hearing about God's goodness. And because it's the goodness of God that causes men, the Bible says, to repent, which means to change their mind. And the main thing they're changing their mind about, and that's what repent means. Most of the church, you know, we won't go in all that, but they don't know what repent means. They think repent means get in the altar and cry and tell God, you're a sorry sinner and Please have mercy on you. And that's not what it means at all. 
But the word repent means to change your mind. And the main thing they're changing their mind about is the goodness of God. Because the God that most of us grew up hearing about, at least in part, is not the God that he is. And, uh, and, and, we, and a lot of us have grown up seeing God more as a judge than a father. But God primarily is a father, and that's why Jesus came to earth. And he came to, to show us the father, and that was his mission. And, and he talked about the Father. And everything that, that Jesus said, Jesus only said the word God one time in reference to his Father. And that was when he was on the cross when he said, My God, my God. And he was literally quoting one of the Psalms to let the Jewish people know that was watching him be crucified that he was exactly that Messiah that the Psalms had prophesied that he was. And he quoted that Psalm, uh, and he was quoting from Psalms 22, 23, and 24. And he was letting them know that he was exactly who uh, that the prophets had prophesied that the Messiah would be. And he would do what the Messiah uh, would do and say what the Messiah would say. And Jesus was fulfilling that on the cross. But any other time and every other time, he always spoke about God as his father. And, and, it, and it, it breaks my heart to really find people that have, you know, that say they have a relationship with God, but they don't experience him as a father. Jesus said himself that when he left the earth, after he was crucified, buried, and resurrected, that he would not leave us, and actually the New King James actually uses the word as orphans. Uh, and this has been an orphaned planet, so to speak, and that's why people do what they do, because they steal and they do things because they don't think they have a father. They don't think that there's anybody or any person that is looking out for them that they have to look out for themselves. And, and most of us grew up hearing that kind of, you know, look out for number one because if you don't do it, nobody else will. How many's ever heard that? And and that's the American culture, and that's what we grew up hearing. But that's not true when we become born again and we enter into that relationship with the Father. In fact, before that, that Heavenly Father is reaching out to us, wooing us and desiring us. And just like this right here, I mean, yeah, God's concerned about people. And that's why I've seen God do these, you know, I guess we would call that a, a deliverance, a a, a uh, spiritual uh, deliverance of the you know depression. I believe depression is a spirit, and uh, and 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 most of the time depression has its root in wrong belief. We're, we're thinking wrong things either about God, ourselves, or our future, or, and sometimes even our past. And when those you know because Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will will make you free. But then there are times like that, like last Sunday, when when God supernaturally. Uh, prophetically reveals his love for a person and and he identifies exactly what it is in a supernatural way that it just it, it causes your faith to just catapult and it was like what KJ said you I mean I I know you could you, you felt it I felt it uh, as soon as that those words were spoken that's why she was unable to stand but the power of the Lord just that 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 as he called it a shock wave that's a good description uh, just went through this whole house and we all felt it and we all rejoiced in it and 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 i'm sure that god touched other people that i'm not even aware of but but after you know such a, a mighty mighty uh, deliverance but i you know and i've seen god do those kind of things over and over throughout my my life in ministry and uh but but i've also found god to be very practical and pragmatic and by that i mean he's concerned about every area of your life and the god that we see in the old covenant that god that sends a prophet to a widow who has just a handful of meal and she's about to die. And God sends a prophet to her to minister to her 
and, and left her in a condition where that barrel never ran dry again. It, isn't that something? And, and then we see God again sent to another widow that was in debt. Her husband had died. She had sons that were going to be taken into servitude and bondage to settle the debt, and yet God sends the man of God there to, to minister to her and gives her instruction on that little bit of oil she had to borrow many vessels and begin to pour. And God does a supernatural thing in that woman. And what it does is it doesn't make her go to heaven. It's got nothing to do with her going to heaven or, or anything like that. It just had to do with her living life and paying her bills and keeping her sons out of bondage. And, and, and we see Old Testament after Old Testament video picture, the way I like to describe it, of, of that God doing that kind of thing. And even though they were under the law during that time, and the law was present, and, and, and the relationship was through the law, but yet we see God pouring grace into people like that and ministering to their practical needs of just everyday living and life. And if you can get to the point that you believe that, now I, I, I don't, you know, I know this, God doesn't have any favoritism as far as we're all his favorites, Okay. Uh, God doesn't have grandkids, he just has kids. We're all his kids. We're sons and daughters of the Most High, and that's the truth. And, 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 and when we, um, we talk about God's favor, and even that the word is, I included it when, when we put that, that, that uh, declaration that we do every Sunday as we receive our offering, but we're asking for favor not because we don't have it, but Jesus, the Bible said Jesus grew in favor and in wisdom and in statue with God and man. And so when we talk about favor, we all have favor when we're born again. Just like any kid that's born of a parent, that kid don't have to pray. That kid can't pray for favor. That kid's laying in the nursery in the hospital. But that, that, that baby has instant favor because of, of birth. And, and, and the parents favor that kid because that's their kid. Well, that's, God's better than that. And God favors you because you're his kid. You're, you're born into his kingdom. You're, you, you know, and he's a father to you. And if you'll learn that, to relate to him as a father, then your relationship will grow a lot quicker. Now, when, when God, you know, and, and, and God's concerned about more than, than Sunday school lessons and Bible studies and you being able to quote scripture. And, and listen, I'm not knocking any of that. But I'm just saying that's not what it is to be born again. That's not what it is to have a Christian life. And when you see the Apostle Paul, nobody had experiences, I, I don't think, you know, any greater than he. And, and he refers to it in the third person, the only time he does that. But he, Paul says, I knew a man above, you know, 14 years ago that basically, and then Paul goes on to say that this man was given a personal tour of heaven. And he was in a, in a spirit caught up into heaven. And, and basically three different times he was shown things that he said were unlawful to utter. It didn't mean he would be breaking God's law. It meant if I tell it, you wouldn't believe it anyway. So he just didn't tell it. He saw things. He, he was given personal tour, if you will, of, of, of heaven. And, and he said whether in the body or out of the body, he said, I don't even know. He said, I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body. But he saw these things and he saw these, these, these uh, amazing things. A spirit realm with, with God, and yet when he stood before King Agrippa uh, and, and, and stood before this king to give testimony or give witness or to answer the accusations the Jews had brought against him, what did he do? He told them his salvation experience. He told them that Damascus Road encounter that he had with God. Now, a lot of times you hear people talk about that or they read that uh, out of Acts 9 and where where. Before then, I mean, here's this, like I said last Sunday, educated 
uh, Jewish, you know, Jew of Jews, Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, and, and skilled in all the things and the matters concerning the law of God. And he thought he was doing God a service by persecuting anybody who followed after he said the name of Jesus Christ. And he persecuted them. He, he held the clothes, I told you, of those who stoned Stephen to death and gave his uh, affirmation for that uh, execution. And, and he was on the way to, to Damascus to give uh, orders to bring Christians into bondage. And he actually, Paul said, he would pursue them even into foreign countries. And he would put them into bondage. And, and, and the Jerusalem was terrified of this man. He, 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 he was their greatest threat. Uh, to them, and they they were absolutely terrified. And yet, he has this encounter, you know. And I hear people talk about, you know, that God slapped him off the horse, or God slapped him off the donkey. And I hear God that that God did this and God did that. But if you read the Bible, it doesn't say any of that. It really doesn't. It just says that he was on his journey, and a great light shone round about him and those that accompanied him. Now, God is light. And when the Lord appeared one time, Jesus transfigured was transfigured on the mount that we now call the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter, James, and John were up there, and, and, and they could not behold him, it says, for the brightness of his vesture and of the, of the glory of God that was on him. And yet, now here's Jesus already resurrected and, and, and back with the Father, but Jesus Christ himself appears uh, to, to uh, Paul. Uh, his name is Saul, and that's his Hebrew name. Paul, Paul was primarily going to minister to the Greeks. So Paul himself, God didn't change his name. He, he chose to use his Greek name of, of, of the version of Saul, Hebrew, and to be uh, giving more of an inroad to the Greek people, he used his Greek name. And so he would use Paul, so that way they would just maybe be a little more open to him and when he would identify himself that I'm Paul of Tarsus. And so Paul got born again. It said a great light shone about him and it says he fell to the ground. It don't say God slapped him off the horse or God did it. It just said the light was so bright he couldn't behold it. He fell to the ground and the Lord Lord did speak to him. Now the Bible says that in, in Acts 9 that, that those men heard the voice but they saw no one. But they heard that voice. They heard God talking to him. And, uh, and, and it's just an amazing thing. And, and, but the light was so bright, I guess it just blinded his eyes for a bit. And God told him that I want you to go on into the city and it will be shown to you what to do. And he goes to the city and he appears to another man named Ananias, which I told you his name in, literally means God's favor. And, uh, and, and I like this, and, and, and it's the same word for grace. So, but he tells him to go there and there would be a man that would come to him and that would lay hands on him that he might receive back his sight. And, uh, and that man, of course, was Ananias. And, and, and I like to think of it that it was grace. It took grace to open Paul's eyes to really see Jesus and to see God as he is. And I know in my own life, I found God to be so practical. And, 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 I, and I know most of you pro have probably heard all of my stories, but I don't have any other stories but mine. Okay, I mean, I know your story, but, but for me to tell you my story, I got to tell you my story. But I know when Jill and I, you know, were, were born again, and even the other day, Sean had texted me again, Pastor Keith, and, and he was telling me, and he, he's been such an encouragement to me. That's probably why I'm doing this, because of him, because he's been really encouraging, you know, about the story. And, he, and he, he's wrote me several times, and he says, I remember all your stories, and he'll tell them to me. 
And I go, well, I hadn't even thought about that one in a long time myself. But he remembers. But see, it just further goes to prove that people, they'll remember your story. They'll remember my story. And what you guys remember mostly about my preaching is not my verse and text and my oratory ability, but what you remember is the stories and the witness that I've given you about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. And, and that's why I'm trying to use this little season that we're in here to encourage you to don't ever get tired of that. I remember Brother Eddie Milton's going to be with the Lord now, and I remember I would talk to Brother Eddie sometimes, and he would come, and, and he was such a gifted singer. He was the lead singer for New Song, who still travels the world and sings now. And I got to know Eddie uh, very well and, and, and many, many years uh, uh, to know him. But even Eddie sometimes, I remember one time he kind of got, you know, he would come, and I, and I would see the impact he would have on my church is when he would get up and tell those stories. And he would just tell stories, and then sometimes he would sing those Motown songs and stuff like that that he called getting them saved, you know, so he changed the words a little bit. And, man, people would they'd be out of their seat, you know, when he, you know, and start singing those songs. And just he was such a gifted artist. And actually was uh, Motown tried to sign him and, and did sign him, but he never fulfilled and went on with it, uh, with that, and, and gave his life to singing uh, gospel music. But I remember one time I told Eddie, I said, man, don't ever, I said, why don't you do this and this and this, you know, like you, like you do. Because that's where I'd see the most impact. And he would try to go off on something else because he himself sometimes, he would get tired of telling it. And he would think because he's tired of telling it, people are tired of hearing it. And I said, Eddie, people are never tired of hearing that. So tell them about your dad and how your dad raised you. And tell them about your relationship. And go, you know, tell them that, man. Don't ever get tired. He said, well, they get tired. And I said, no, there's people sitting out there that ain't ever heard that. And they need to hear that story. And that's when I would see the alders fill up when he would talk about between him and his dad and how hard some of those times were and how he received Jesus Christ right here in Valdosta uh, and got born again and his life changed forever. And if there was ever an evangelistic-hearted man, that you know, that was Brother Eddie Milton because, I mean, he'd try to get everybody saved. And I don't mean like a nuisance guy out on a mission trying to get another notch on his belt, but if you went to eat with him, he'd be trying to talk to the waitresses you know make sure they're born again and all that kind of you know and, and that's just never been my kind of deal I mean if God moves on me you know I'd, I'd, I'd do that kind of deal but but uh I mean one time I had this guy and uh Bob Shadows and and when the first time yeah I know you don't know that guy and I don't want to go into the whole story but he, I had heard before you know before I had him that he was known for doing weird stuff like that and he'd go in a restaurant. He had been somewhere in some town with a pastor, and they was eating somewhere. And he just stood up in the restaurant, and he said, I'm in love with a man. And that's all he said real loud. Of course, everybody in the restaurant stops eating, turns and looks at this weird guy standing up shouting, I'm in love with a man. And he's sitting with a man. And that man happened to be the pastor. And he just lets that simmer a little bit. And once he knows he's got everybody's attention, and he says, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he saved me, and he, you know, he did that. So when I took him to eat, when he came to a Cornerstone to preach, the first time I took him to eat, I said, now listen, Bob. <laughs> I said, I done heard about you. And I said, that's not me. I'm not that guy, and don't do this. I'm going to take you to the Western Sizzling to get you something to eat, but I'm telling you, don't do that to me. <laughs> and he said, well, I can't promise you. He said, if the Lord... You know, but he thank God he didn't he didn't do that. And some some people can make that kind of stuff work, you know. But but I I just want you to know that I've seen God to be very practical in your life. So if you're a lady here and you and 
and and, and I, I've seen stuff like this. I mean, where you know, and I'm not saying men don't want that, but if you're a lady and you want a house, God God cares about that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, I remember when when Jill and I were you know first we got married in 1980, and you got to remember what the economy was doing in the 80s, early 80s. We got double digit inflation. I mean, not inflation, but interest. Uh, so we got interest rates on mortgages of 10, 11, 12 percent. Anybody remember that? Um, so we we kind of lost hope in there about even being able to build a, any kind of house because the interest rate was so high. And I was working with the Merchant Medical Service, and and and, uh, and and so you know God was dealing with me in the ministry about preaching and. Just a lot going on in our life, and she desired that. We were living in a little apartment. I'd been promoted to to chief and uh, with the ambulance service, but yet we 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 we'd never had a home, you know, a house that that we could say this is our house. And it was a desire of her heart, and it was a desire of mine because it was a desire of her heart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She's always said I could live in a tent with a lantern, you know, kind of deal, Ernest T. Bass deal. But but uh, you know, so we we desired that. And just didn't see how it's going to make make it happen. And I remember, and and, and we expressed that. I remember my dad, you know, knew that we wanted that. And I remember one time that that he uh, he called me and he said, "Son, I'm going to buy uh, some land. It's uh, out from Adel, you know, right here, close. But I, he said I'm going to buy like six acres. He said I think it's six or eight acres, and I'm going to buy that. And he said, what I want to do is I want to give you and Jill an acre, you know, and and, and for y'all to have, you know, to, to put you. A, Double wide on, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. And I said, "Well, Daddy, man, that, that's a blessing. I appreciate that." And so, so we went out and looked at the land, and the land was like a triangle uh, point. There were two roads come together, but it was a real point there at one end, and it widened about and squared off, you know. And and Dad said, "Just walk around it and just pick you out a spot, because there wasn't nothing on the six acres, just pine trees. There wasn't nothing on it. And on the back side was a dirt road." And on the front side was a paved road. And I just at that point had enough country in me. I walked around and I said, well, Daddy, I, I want this. Back, I want an acre back here on this corner that faces the dirt road. He said, son, you want the dirt road facing the dirt road? And I said, yeah, Dad, I just, I, just, I, want, I, don't, I want the dirt road. He said, all right, if that's one you want. He said, we'll, we'll make it happen. So me and my wife, boy, we got all excited. We went and started going to mobile home places, looking at double wide. You know how to have them set up with fake fruit and everything and, it looks like people's living in there, you know. It's instant. It's, it's an instant, instant deal. And they got them garden tubs and stuff like that. And man, I could just—I'd walk in there and just, I could fireplace. My God, I can see myself living in here today. And and we just got—we just young. We I, we got excited about that. We're gonna, you know, maybe this gonna make it happen. I'll have the land that'll be paid for. I'll be able to get it done. And 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 I got two little kids, you know, and. Uh, you know, wife, and I'm only one working. You know, and and and, and man, we may make make this happen. And uh, so, so time goes by, and we're excited. We go to church, and on Sunday afternoons, we take off to different mobile home places, look around, and just you know, just having a big time. Weeks go by. Dad calls me one day and says, "Son, I need to tell you something." He said, "I hate to tell you, but he said uh, he said uh, it just ain't gonna work out." He said, "I've met with my accountant and this and that and." CPA, and, and that's just going because what he was going to do was make uh, a trailer park, mo mobile homes all through there. And he said, it's just not going to be a good investment. It's going to, you know, anyway, for whatever the reason, he said, I'm not going to be able to do it. I just, I'm not going to be able to do it, and I hate to tell you that. 
man, I hate to go tell Jill that. So I had to come back and tell her, that ain't going to happen, baby. That, that's just, that's done for. And uh, But I tried to be, you know, she's mostly one more pause than me. And I said, well, you know, God will make something happen. We'll, we'll get there somehow. You know, and we just went on living life. And I remember weeks go by, maybe even months go by. I'm sure a couple of months went by. And one day I was over at my dad's house, and I was looking through the Adel newspaper. And I saw an ad that said, land for sale near Adel. Uh, you know, uh, acre lots, you know, acre lot, blah, blah, call this. And that was all it said. didn't describe, didn't tell where it was, anything. And I just felt that I should call that number. You know, you got to try something. You got to do something. So I called the number, and the guy answers on the other end. And he says, yeah, I got a, uh, it's actually, he said, 1.25 acre, one, one and a quarter acre for sale. He said, I've actually got two of them that's both uh, that size. And he said, you could have either one of them. Nobody's bought either one yet. And he said that uh, uh, I'll be glad to meet you out there. So he starts describing to me where it's at. Now, this has been several months since my dad told me he can't do it. So he describes it, and I'm thinking, well, that's on, he's saying Cox Steel Road. That's, same road. that's that road Daddy was talking about getting. So anyway, I meet the guy out there, and as you're probably figuring out, it was that exact same six, eight acres. This man had already bought all of it, and he was going to build him a house out there, and he was going to sell the two lots. Uh, when he told me he owned all the land, I was thinking he's going to be selling that little cone head up there at the, you know, the little point. He wasn't selling that. He had the very land that I stood on with my own feet, with my dad, and I said, I want this spot. Uh, he said, this is it right here. I got this one that faces the dirt road and this one right here in front of it, both of 1.25 acres. He said, I'd like for you to take both of them. And uh, he said, because that would be this less people living out here? Because he said, I'm going to take this other four acres over here and build me a house. And, uh, and, and, and so I, I just couldn't believe it. Now, I was trying to contain my excitement. And uh, I said, well, yeah, I guess this will be all right. <laughs> I said, could I give you a check for $50 to go ahead and hold this right here for me? He said, well, listen, man, I want you to have both of it. I said, I can't afford both of it. Please don't be stupid like I was back then and say that out your mouth. See, yeah, you couldn't afford it if you was on your own, but you ain't on your own. So stop saying those lies, I can't afford it. You don't know what you can afford. God hands you a million dollars, you can afford it. So we just need to stop. It's important to just say the right thing. And so I said, well, yeah, I'll do that. And uh, but he just kept pressing me for the other lot. He said, why don't you want the paved road side? He said, you need to build your house. He said, you're going to build a house? I said, yeah. He said, you want it facing the paved road? I said, no, I kind of want mine facing the dirt road. He said, I, he said, I need you to just buy both lots. He said, because I know you, I know of you, who you are, and I'd just like to have uh, you out here, and then, then I'll build my house, and we'll just, it'll be us. Well, the man owned Carter's Chicken in Adel. That's who I'm talking about. And I had never met him. I knew he had good chicken. And uh, I went to school and graduated with his wife. And so he said, I, I, I know you, Dale. I want you out here. And I said, well, listen, Mike. I said, I couldn't afford this other, you know, that's going to be all I can do, just try to get one, one of these lots. And he said, well, when could you get the other lot? And I said, well, it would be at least eight months before I paid my truck off. And then I couldn't, you know, then he said, well, i tell you what. You go ahead. I'm gonna give you, we'll get both lots. And you don't have to pay on another lot until eight months from now. How about that? He said, let's just make it nine months so you don't worry. 
I said, well, how much interest are you going to charge me? He said, how about zero? How does that sound to you? Now, can y'all see a thick-headed, poverty-minded boy that God's trying to bless? But I'm hard-headed because I've raised with a poverty mentality, and you don't know you're not an orphan no more. And so we go to the lawyer's office. We're sitting in there at the lawyer's table. The lawyer, he, we, he, he, this guy tells him how he wants the paperwork drawn up, and the lawyer stops at that point, and, ask, and he says this. He said, I want to ask y'all something. He said, are y'all kin? I remember he did that. The lawyer said, are y'all kin to one another? And we said, no. He said, that's okay. He said, most of the time, these kind of arrangements are only done between family and kin folks. He said, but that's fine. Y'all want to go zero interest and all. And he wrote it on up. Uh, I went out there and, and, and got both lots. When I had the county come out and do the percolation test where they put the septic system, the lot that I wanted to be on would not percolate, and I couldn't have built a house on it had I bought it. There's a God that knows more than you do that's trying to bless you and trying to help you get where he wants you to be. And so I needed to be on the paved roadside. It made my house more valuable. And, and actually I could put in a septic system that worked. <laughs> and then what I did on the back lot is I built, years later, I built a big barn and, and, and put some horses out there for my youngins. And, and, and we lived out there for six years or so, I think it was, five, six, I don't know how long. But what, what, and, and I remember one day standing on that property, and it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't, and I didn't feel hard to my dad. He was just trying to help out, and it just, he, he's got to do what's best for him. But what God showed me is what your, heavenly fa what your earthly father can't provide for you. Or if you don't even have one, you always got a heavenly father that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And, and, and God's concerned. And see, now you can go along, and, and, and my life is filled with stories like that, particularly in my younger relationship with God. I had just come back to God in 79, got married in 1980. But in those formative, I call them formative years, started preaching like in 83, 84. I mean, God started dealing with me then and didn't start preaching actually until 85, in March of 85. But when, but when God, God was dealing with me and showing me, son, I'm involved in your life. I remember when we went and, 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 and the interest rate was, wasn't it over 10% uh, that we paid for the mortgage on that house? And I remember the, the interest, it was kind of tough back then. That's long gas lines, high fuel prices, double-digit mortgage interest rates, and yet God still provided and made a way for us. I mean, we thought we was rich when we lived at that little old house. I mean, it wasn't a big house, what, 11, 1,200 square foot or something like that. But, man, it was nice. And we, I remember y'all joke sometimes, and this is the truth. I, you know, we, we come up with the plans, you know, had a porch all the way across the front. I mean, and coming out of a little two-bedroom apartment where people raising hell all around you all the time, man, to get out here in the country and have a little house, I thought I was the richest guy in the world. You know what I'm saying? But them bathrooms were so small because, boy, we jacked them, that square foot and, and put it all in the living room. And you'd sit on the, on the toilet, and you'd have to do this to put your knees around to close the door and then move your knees back around because it knocked the hide off you off the kneecaps if you tried. that's how tight it was in them bathrooms <laughs> and uh because we put the square foot everywhere else but them bathrooms you know we, I mean, we ain't gonna be in here long let's put the square foot out there uh if i could go over i'd probably put another at least one more square foot in them bathrooms but we lived out there and i remember before when we still lived in apartments and she's home she's taking care of them two babies and have a third one on the way and I come in from work one day, and, and we had to sign a paper that said that we had the, the down payment and we had not borrowed it from somebody. 
and it, it couldn't be un, it had to be uncumbered and not borrowed from someone, and you had to have that for them to do the loan. And I and and I didn't have that money. And I just trusted if God's giving us the land and God's providing, something's going to happen. And I remember I come home from work one day and, and to the little apartment, and when I went in, she was grinning, just, just grinning. And I said, what's wrong with you? And she said, uh, got this, and she, and she whooped out a check, and she held it up, and she was kind of popping it, you know. Like, and she said, got this in the mail today. And I'm thinking, you bless your heart. It's one of them checks. It's a fake check. Trying to get you to borrow something, bless your heart. You know, <laughs> you don't even know what you're looking at. And I said, give me the check, woman. Let me look at this. And you know what? It was a real check. And it was for the amount, exact amount that we needed. It was like, what, what, $3,000? It was a big amount of check. That's why I thought it wasn't real. She said, I seen three, three grand across it. I mean, anybody sending me no check, three grand. And that was, that was a huge amount of money in, in the early 80s. And, 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 and I looked at the check, and when we first got married, I had bought a single wine trailer, and we had financed it with some city corp. So I don't know who it was. Anyway, somebody had class action lawsuited them people, and everybody that had a loan with them back in those days got some money sent back to them. And there it came in my mail, and there was three. That's exactly what I needed for the. And and when I got home, she was sitting there smiling and talking about the Lord's done provided it, and and and, and he surely had. And, and I've seen this story after story like that where God has just come through. And I've seen God do spiritual things. And I was a guy had mentioned to me the other day, and I had kind of almost forgotten about it. Pastor Keith probably would remember this one. But anyway, uh, they, they, there was this couple in our church. The guy was, I think, an insurance guy. But he'd had a little, little, little daughter and uh, had several kids. But, but she couldn't walk and she couldn't stand up. She, you know, she, uh, healthy, I think, maybe otherwise. And they had these braces on her, and, and the, the prognosis was not ever good for her being able to walk. And she was just a little toddler. And so sometimes they'd be at church and sitting out there like that. They would take those, that equipment off of her where she could lay down, you know, in their lap and get a nap and that kind of stuff. And I remember one night in the service, the Spirit of the Lord really began to move. Uh, on, and we began to call out for healings. And all of a sudden, they were sitting back on this side. And, of course, I didn't see it happen. But the little girl just stood up. And when she stood up on her own, she stood up in the chair. Of course, her parents just immediately knew God had just done a miracle. And, of course, they began to cry. And I remember that guy picked up, he picked her up and come to the front with her. I, I thought she was choking or something, wanted me to do the Heimlich on her or something. And because I had that happen to me one time in the service. And so here he comes with her and just tears streaming. And, 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 and he said, the Lord just healed her. And I remember he brought the equipment up there and laid it on this side on the front of our stage, and it sat there for months. And then we started having so many healings. People, other people bring equipment up there, machines and stuff, and pile them up. And, and I, I almost wished that I had done that, but I was telling the church back then, I said, we just need to build, build a trophy room. We need to build a room and people to write their story, write their testimony of what God did, and we need to put the piece of equipment in there on the shelf and paste up that testimony in front of it. And anytime anybody in our congregation, boy, I feel the Lord now, anytime anybody in our congregation gets discouraged and think God's not real and he don't, he's not alive and he don't move no more and he don't care, then just your assignment is to go into that trophy room and close that door and walk around in there by yourself and read those testimonies of what God has done, whether it's salvations or healings or financial deliverances, miracles or whatever. And I said, there ain't no way in the world you can come out of that room 
<laughs> still discouraged and still don't think that God cares about you. Now that's the God that you and I serve today. And, and that's the God and that's the, that's the God that I grew up with. And he showed me over and over, and I've told you in my stories about how, how practically, you know, that God has been. And I told you how, and I'll do this one real quick, because some of you have not heard it, but one time we went to visit her parents in El Paso, Texas. We had this little minivan. Uh, they were popular back then, so don't mock me now. But they were real popular. We had this little Chevy minivan, and it was kind of a custom deal. And it had a big old black and white TV mounted in the roof. All that thing did is when you got in from the side door, you'd hit your head on that thing. I don't know how many people we they hit the head on that, and I'd forget, I'd forget to warn them, you know, if they were getting in the back, and they'd go, boom. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I hate to tell you that about the TV. And we thought we was rich, but the TV didn't pick up nothing. If you parked in the yard where the TV channel broadcast, you might get a signal, but other than that, you didn't get nothing. And, uh, but they put it in there. But I remember when I got that van, I had three little kids in, living in those apartments, and I thought, you know, that we, we were so rich, you know, really, as far as having a vehicle like that, because I was preaching, and we're going to travel and evangelize, and I'm going to haul y'all with me. We're going to preach the gospel. And I remember I made all of them get out there in the parking lot, and this is the truth. None of this, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I got out there with the olive oil, shook it up, you know, and I anointed that hood, glory to God, and I laid hands on that hood, and I said, Father, I and I was serious, and no games here. I said, Father, I dedicate this vehicle. I thank you for it. Thank you for giving us the provision to be able to purchase it. And, um, and thank you for this vehicle to haul my family. And Because that back seat would lay completely flat like a bed, and we'd put them in them little jumpsuit jammers with the grips on the bottom, and we'd line them like cordwood after I preached, you know, and we'd bring them home. And, uh, and, and we did that for six years. But I anointed that thing, and I said, Father, this is your van. You give it to us. And then, you know, I said, let the angels go before us and be our rear guard. And I prayed to all the right prayers, you know. We go to El Paso. We hadn't had it long. We go to El Paso to visit her mom and dad that live in El Paso, Texas. Man, that's a long way to drive if you ain't never been there. And uh, so we're driving. And I had drove. I was seeing like double and triple. Turned it over to her. We're trying to make it on into El Paso that night. And I woke up. And it, was in, it was July. I woke up and I was hot, sweating. And I said, Man, what's going on, Jill? She said, air conditioner quit, you know, you know, hour ago, whatever, just quit run, quit cooling, blowing cool air. And I was like, that didn't, you know, you know it was all we could do to feel, see like afford to get out there. I carried the Rudolph Chevrolet, El Paso, Texas, because I took it there because you got to have warranty and, all, you know, to be, be if you need warranty when you get back home. Didn't have no warranty on it, carried it there, took it to the guy. Long story short, after several days, I get it out of there, I, owed, I, I had to pay them $710. I didn't have $710 on me, so I had a Visa card. So I dropped that bad boy on them. Now, to me in those days, that was a lot of money to put on that 18% Visa card, and I was worried to death about it. Now, I actually took it down there, and they worked on it one day, charged me 500 and I come home with it. And before I got back to my mother and father-in-law, it quit again. And so then I, I wasn't speaking in tongues, but I was speaking in a tongue, I turned and drove back to Rudolph Chevrolet, and I said, it's done quit, and I ain't even got to their house. And I'm trying to be nice because I'm a Christian, but he, I'm from out of town, so I will show out if I need to. So I said, uh, I said, let me ask you something, dude. If I pulled this van in here and there wasn't no air conditioner in it, and I had you install me one, how much did that cost? He said about 900 I said, well, I just want to know where the ceiling is. I just want to know where, you know, how, 
Anyway, y'all don't get that, but I want to know where the top is. Worked on it again, another $210, now $710. I wasn't happy. I'm in a bad mood. I'm worried about the debt. I'm worried about now this trip's done cost us out, you know, my God, we, going over, we got the trip and $710. So, you know, I'm just ill. And so then I, I, I know, you gotta give me, I've grown a little bit since then, okay? But can I just, but I, I was just, I, like we call in South Georgia, I was acting ugly. And I wasn't, we were supposed to go up to here and go here and go to the mountains and go up to New Mexico. And I just said, I ain't going nowhere. I mean, all we can do is afford to stay here and eat and go home. And I ain't going to nothing, cancel all that, ain't doing none of that, ain't got no money now. And, and, uh, and I went in the bedroom at her mom and dad's house, closed the door and just want to be by myself because I want to just gripe to God. And I did this kind of thing, you know. I really wouldn't call it prayer. I was just talking to him. I said, I don't understand this as if we understand anything. I said, I don't understand this. I mean, why this got to break down now? Why the air got to quit in El Paso? Why couldn't it quit in, in Cook County where I could get something done cheaper? Why has it got to be now? Why has it got to be when we're on vacation? Why I got to charge it on my, I mean, you know, I just, why, why, why? It's called whining, y'all. And when I, I mean, I just, I was just kind of venting, whatever you want to call it. I was just blowing it out by myself, just me. And I was just letting God hold it. I was just fussing at him because he let that happen. All that stupid theology. And I, when I got quiet after a little bit, and he was just sitting there feeling sorry for myself, I heard the Lord, if I've ever heard him. This is all he said to me. He said, I heard his voice. I knew it was him. He wasn't mean. He's a sweet papa. He said, I, saw, I thought you said it was my van. That's all he said. I thought you said it was my van. When he said those words, it's like a video played, and I saw myself in the parking lot with my wife and three youngins and had the hands on it, saying, Lord, this is your van. And it just hit this old thick-headed boy. I said, Papa, it is your van. And if it's your van, that's your air conditioner that tore up. And if that's your air conditioner that tore up, that's your bill from Rudolph Chevrolet on my Visa card. <laughs> God never said a word. I, this is the truth. She'll tell you. I came out of the bedroom. I first went to her. I said, I'm sorry for acting like I was acting. I went to her mom and dad. I said, I want to apologize to y'all. I said, I, I said, I said, I'm supposed to be a preacher of the gospel. I said, I said, I shouldn't collapse over something like I said, I'm sorry. We're going to do the things we're supposed to do. We're going to go up to Almagorda and, and, and all, all those places. We, we're going to do what we, we come out here to do. We're going to enjoy the vacation, enjoy the time with y'all. And I don't know how God do it, but he'll take care of it. Got back home, went back to work. I don't know how many days went by. It wasn't many. Uh, just maybe a few, four, three, four, five days. Didn't tell a soul back home. I uh, get back home, go to work. My wife calls me mid-morning. And she said, I just want to tell you something. She said, somebody just came to the back door. And uh, she said, a man walked to the back door. Now, we, was, we knew this man, but he didn't know what was going on. He said, I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me. This, and this was not a man that, ever, that I know of before or since ever did anything like this. He said, the Lord spoke to me and told me that there was a financial need in y'all's house, and I was to come bring y'all $500. And he put five $100 bills in my wife's hand. Jill called me at work, and Tifton told me that. And, and I said, "What? how much did he give you? Five? I said, well, the bill's 710. 
I said, Bess, I tell the brother miss God on that one. <laughs> you know, by about 210. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm serious. That's how stupid I could be. Because I can't even rejoice over the 500 worrying about today's. Wait a minute. Anyway, so I'm, I'm happy. She's thrilled. She's just glory to God. $500, $500 bills in your hand. And the man just stood at the back door, counted that in her hand, and left. I'm preaching the next following Sunday. I'm preaching at Vickers Holiness Baptist Church in West Berrien. I'm preaching over there. It's just, just, just a, somebody want me to come preach. Didn't tell them nothing about nothing. Got up and preached the gospel. And it's one of them churches when the when you get through, the pastor wants you to walk down the center aisle and, and stand on each side of the door and shake everybody's hand. And I'm cool. I'll, I'll, I'll obey the rules. I'm walking down the center aisle with the pastor. A man reaches out and stops me. Hands me a check, told me, God told me to give you this while you was up there preaching. And he hands me a check for $300. I don't know if y'all, that's $800, baby. I've got more than 17 and I got 800 because that's how God always does it. And before that bill ever came, I had $800 sitting in that top Chester drawer waiting on that visa bill to get to the house. I never paid him a penny interest, paid that thing off, and I saw Papa show himself to be strong and cares about even mechanical stuff and about an air conditioner and all that kind of stuff. And I will never forget that, how he come through on that kind of stuff. God will always do that. You heard me here not too long ago tell you, living right here, being your pastor. And I hate sometimes stories seem like, well, that's always, but just here in this church, my whole air conditioner system at my house went out. We called, and uh, I can't remember the number. Well, how much was it? How much did we give them? How much? $7,500 did it cost to fix it. To put another, basically, I had to put another one in. And uh, man, that hit us at a tough time. Oh, Lord, how are we going? We had a lot of other things going on, it's like you do sometimes in life. And I just didn't have that laying around to pay them. And I, wanted, I want that paid and off me. And, uh, and so uh, I had some stock. $10,000 was the value of the stock. And my son in law manages it, he's a stock investment guy. So I called him. I said, John, I need you to sell that stock for me, buddy. I said, I got to replace my air conditioner system, and I need to, to get it handled. And he said, all right, I'll, I'll get it handled for you. He said, it'll be tomorrow because uh, the closed today. Or we've done after five or whatever. So he, I said, all right, that'll be fine. Just get it to me. And uh, however y'all do that, I didn't know much about it. He called, and, yes, and the next day he was delaying. I felt like, come on with it. Tell me you know, wh how we do this. He, he spent some time investigating. He called. He said, and he named a stock. He said, one of those stocks today has gone up $7,500. He said, I'm going to be able to sell that. He said, I've called New York three times to confirm it because I told him you're my pawn-in-law, and I don't want to screw this up and tell you something that's not right. But he said, the stock has gone up. He said, I'm going to be able to sell it. And I'll, I'll, I'll just get the 7500 that you need and leave the rest, and you'll still have your 10000 in there. He said, how's that? I said, do it. Pull the trigger, whatever you got to do. That's the truth. He did that. And he called me while I'm out doing my Medicare stuff working. When he hung up, I immediately just tears rolled down my face. And I remember I looked up to heaven, and I said, Papa, because I was in a season right then, I feel like I ain't heard God speak in a long time. 
and I hadn't even seen the hand of God stretch forth my way in a while. And I seemed like I was pretty much on my own there for a long stretch. And yet in that moment, here comes God. And you can say it's, I don't care what you say, my life is not filled with coincidence. It's filled with a heavenly Father that loves me, that's involved intrinsically in my life. And, and, and I'm telling you, that stock did that for one day. My son-in-law would tell you, and it went back to normal the next day. That one day allowed me a window. I reached in there. I got $7,500. Uh, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And reached in there and got that money, pulled it out. God handed it to me. I give. I, what company did we give it to? I can't remember. We give it to one of these air conditioning people. They got paid. They got blessed. And, and I got cool at the house again. And, and, it was, and, and God did it. And I remember that day when, when John called told me that. And I hung up. All I could do was weep and cry. And I looked up to heaven. And I said, you're still there. Ain't, you're still real, ain't you, Papa? And I just felt like he said, I'm still here for you, son. Just keep on doing what you're doing. And there's times in our life we feel like that. We feel like we're all alone. We feel like we ain't heard God in months. We feel like ain't nothing going our way. But I want to tell you and assure to you and give testimony one more time that God's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He never will. He, he cares about your practical stuff. He cares about your light bills, your cars, your air conditioners. He, and, and really what God told me in the early, when I look back on that in my early ministry, God said, son, if you can find me to be real in these things, in these areas, then I'm trusting you to believe me in the bigger areas, like the cancer, laying hands on that, and seeing the miracles, and seeing the and seeing the depression. Say the depression leaves you now. I didn't tell the woman God might do something. I told her last Sunday, your depression leaves you now. You heard me tell her that because I knew it was gone. I knew it was gone, and it left her. And she said, 25 years of it. And she's never been more happy in her life, 56, 7 years old, whatever it is. God delivered her right before our very eyes last Sunday, right here, right here in this altar. Come on, stand with me and give God praise. Hallelujah. And, man, you let, you let us hear your story. You tell me your story. Send it to me. You tell somebody your story. Man, let's fill this place up for Jesus. I mean, come on, let's fill this place up for Jesus. How are they going to come? you got to tell them. Some of you are doing it, man. I see you out there on Facebook and, and promoting the church. and all. Man, I appreciate that. I, I can't do this on my own, but I, we're not playing no games here. I feel like what we're saying and preaching is valid. It's, people need to hear it. They need to hear witness, and they need to be able to go to a place that they can actually see the power of God in demonstration. We're not playing no games. I can't, I can't make all that stuff up that happened last Sunday. God did that, and I'm thrilled I don't take it for granted. I mean, why in the world did I pray for two people and I prayed for, her, for Christy and KJ? That's all I personally prayed for. God did more than that, but that's all I felt really I was supposed to pray. And, yet, and, look, look, and we got to hear the story. I mean, I couldn't believe it as it unfolded throughout this week as they communicated with me and how that was connected. Because I was trying to figure out how in the world is KJ and this woman connected? How in the world? And yet, and even with his sister and drawing pictures of a You think that's coincidence? She's been drawing pictures of a woman named Christy, getting her broken heart behind her and getting a new heart put in there. That's all of the Lord. And that just should show you a little clue of how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. And he's concerned about little stuff. And listen here, lady or sir, don't ever think that it's because it's practical or about a house or a car that God don't care and that you should feel guilty because, listen, Father, 
one of the worst things that, that happens to me that's my kryptonite, especially now with them grandbabies, to see them want something and can't get it. And sometimes I get in trouble with their mamas and daddies because I'll try to make it happen. I'm El Shaddad, the grandpapa, more than enough. <laughs> I mean, I love them little fellers, I tell you. And so this has just been uh, Addie's uh, turn six. She got a little scooter, the little thing you said on yesterday. And Aiden was talking. He's nine now. He's like, can I ride it? And she's like, no. <laughs> she said, you can't ride it. He said, please, just let me ride I said, I said, you want one of them scooters? I said, no, we'll. I said, Papa, get you one your, your size if you want one. He said, you'll get me one of them? I said, now, if you just want one, I said, we'll go to Sports Academy and see if they got one. You know, And I know that gets me in trouble even with Jill. I can't stand to see them young as once, you know. I'm like, share with your brother. Let him ride the scooter one time. Glory to God. You know, let him ride the thing. But just, you, you got a heavenly father that loves you better than I could ever possibly love my kids or family. He really does. That don't mean we get everything we just belch out of our mouth because he, he, he knows what will be a blessing to us. Amen. It's like when the kid's little, you know, they five years old, you don't hand them a double X pocket knife, you know, and say, well, you want a pocket knife? Here you go. I remember one time uh, my daddy gave Brother Austin one when I had done told him he couldn't have one because I knew he wasn't at that level to be having no pocket knife. And I, and I walked out to our barn. We had a wood pile, had a wood burning fireplace, and and I heard him out there, and I was walking around. I said, Austin, and he wasn't answering me. And I walked around the barn, and he was he was moving around the barn opposite me, <laughs> trying like he could fake me that he wasn't even out there. And I finally got up. I said, you better stand still, boy. I know you're out here. I heard you moving around. And I walked over to him, and he had blood all on his fingers and on his britches. And he had cut himself with that pocket knife. And it wasn't bad. Now, it's a paramedic. It wasn't bad. But it's, you don't want your young getting cut. That thing was sharp. And I just walked over to him. I just did that. <laughs> he reached in his pocket and handed it to me. I said, now, when you get about another year on you or something, I'll get back to you. But I said, your papa, he just ain't got good sense, and that's why he give y'all. <laughs> well, today, I'm that poppy now. I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm that guy. You know, sometimes our heart makes you disappointed. But you got a father that cares about your land. He cares about your life. The hairs of your head are numbered. I know this ain't no deep theological discussion today. But I don't know of anything I'd rather tell you than give witness to how good he is. And I'm promising you, by the word of God in my life experience with him, he cares about you. And I know you got stories like that where he's provided come through. I know you do. Because he's a good daddy. Tell people them stories. Ask God for opportunities and look for ways to sh share your story with somebody. And invite somebody to Grace Point Church. Tell them, man, you need to come here. Uh, what I put up over this, uh, yesterday was you're born for more. And it's a little thing. That, but, you know, I just said you're, you're born for more in broken promises and shattered dreams. You're, you're, and, and, I, and I promised them that if you come to Grace Point Church, You'll find faith and hope for your future. You, you, you'll have faith in a God that loves you. You'll have hope that God has a future for you. 
not to, not to hurt you or harm you, but to give you hope and a future. That's what he promised in his word. Amen. Man, I love you guys today. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Just give him praise. God bless you. Amen. And Father, I just pray for every practical need that these people have, whether it's houses, lands, cars, mortgage payments, whatever it is, whatever the dream of their heart is. Father, let them see you intervening in their life, in their daily life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Go enjoy your day.